Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the LGBTQ Plus Let's Get Behind the Questions podcast. Before we start, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which this podcast is being recorded and wherever you may be listening today. Pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. I'd also like to pay tribute to our First Nations LGBTQ Plus communities as well. So we are back onto our mini-series this week and we're exploring the impact of intersectionality. So I'm joined again by my co-host, Nick. So welcome back, lovely. How are you? Hi, Dal. Thanks for welcoming me back and welcome back to you too. Thank you. Thank you. Now, um, uh, as we are doing this over um, Hangout, um, I see you're in another location, some uh, location I haven't seen before. Where are you now? Where have you shipped yourself off to? You are correct. Good spotting. I have gallivanted all the way up to the mid-north coast of New South Wales. Oh, is that banana country? I love seeing the big the big banana up there. Uh, no, that's Coffs Harbour, my friend. Um, oh. I'm not sure um, what the mid-north coast is famous for, actually. Um, but there is a winery and a dairy farm near where I am. Hmm. Well, I love wine, but I'm lactose intolerant and I'm scared of animals, so I might just give the dairy farm a bit of a miss and just stick to the wineries. Yeah, that sounds more suited to you, my friend. Mm. Um, so anyways, I've gallivanted up to the mid-north coast and I've set up an office in my parents' house who live here um, because I was just getting a little bit restless being set up in my kitchen all the time and just needed a little bit of change in scenery, you know? Yeah, you're like a grey nomad these days in your golden years, aren't you, love? <clears throat> yes. Well, you know, I can be a bit grey at times when I overtone the blonde hair, um, but I am very lucky to be able to visit my parents and have a place where I can take a break. So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, thanks for rubbing that in. <clears throat> oh, sorry, darling. That's fine. So before we um, came on the air, you were telling me how you saw some dolphins in the river. Um, can I just say dolphins are my fourth favourite animal, so super interested in that. Uh, okay, well, before we uh, we get into my story, I need to understand now what are animals one to three. Yeah, okay. So dogs are number one, as you know, are princey. Um, princey. Yeah. Quokkas are number two. If I could have a pet quokka, I would, but I can't. Um, and then flamingos, I would say, are number three, and then they're followed by dolphins. I thought that you were scared of birds, though. How does a bird make it to number three? I am petrified of birds, actually, but I just like the sound of a flamingo, you know, you know, um, really tall, pink, handsome, lives on the beach, everything I am. <laughs> <laughs> you are a funny little flamingo. Um, so I'll just tell my little dolphin story quickly. So my mum has been very good at taking care of her health recently. So she goes walking along the river every morning at 6am and I've been joining her most mornings. And one morning when we were on the walk, we saw a family of three dolphins cruising down the river. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why are there dolphins in the river? That sounds weird. This is correct. Well, the river actually joins the ocean at one point. So I think they were just taking a nice long cruise from the ocean into the river. And hopefully they made their way back out and didn't get stuck. I certainly hope they found the way out. Imagine if there's dead dolphins washing up on the shore. Yuck. Okay, you just turned my literal story of sunshine and dolphins into darkness and death. Thank you very much. Yeah, let's wrap that conversation up and um, let's talk about today's question then. So what is it like being an LGBTQ plus person of faith? 
It's a great question. And that is what we are going to ask Asher Dalby, who will be joining us today. He's a store manager in Dan Murphy's and he's going to answer that question for us. Mm-hmm. But before we bring on Asher, Uh, This episode is actually being released on International Pronoun Day, which is celebrated on the third Wednesday of each year. So this year we'll be recognising it on the 21st of October 2020. So International Pronouns Day seeks to make respecting, sharing and educating about personal pronouns commonplace. Referring to people by the pronouns they determine for themselves is basic to human dignity. Being referred to by the wrong pronouns particularly affects transgender and gender non-conforming people. So together we can transform society a little bit um, to celebrate people's multiple intersecting identities. Yes, and one way that people can think about supporting the day and the community, the gender diverse community more broadly, is by adding your pronouns to your email signature if you feel comfortable to do so. This is an easy way to normalise the sharing of pronouns. Yes, so so Nick, let's bring in Asha. I'm super excited to talk to Asha about this incredibly interesting topic, I think. Um, So let's wheel him in. Let's wheel him in. Welcome, Asha, to our incredible and may I even say viral podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about our conversation ahead. Me too. So we always start with the same question for all our guests. So please tell us, who is Asha? Um, I would say I'm a bright and bubbly 23-year-old gay man. Um, I love people. I love family and human interaction. Um, I'm an absolute wine enthusiast. Um, I love my liquor, which I blame on my Italian mother, uh, but I also love my fitness and recreational activities. So that would sum me up in a nutshell. Thanks, Asha. And we're releasing this episode on International Pronouns Day. So can you um, tell us what your pronouns are? Uh, My pronouns are he and him. uh, And that's pretty much it. I'm a very cisgendered man. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. So, Asha, you're a customer experience manager for Dan Murphy's. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about what you do in that role? Um, And do you love it? I'd imagine you'd be in... uh, heaven working in a grog shop, I would be. A hundred percent, especially for someone who loves wine as much as I do. It's a kind of a great blessing and curse in disguise, especially when it comes to my pocket. Uh, But my role pretty much entails anything customer and team orientated. Um, I love connecting with people on a a deep and personal level. So it really gives me a lot of fulfillment in my day-to-day life. Fabulous. Asha? We are asking you what it's like to be an LGBTQ plus person of faith today. And I think that we probably firstly need to start with a bit of context around you and your family and your family's relationship with faith. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so I was brought up in a very Christian household. Um, I went to Sunday school and church every week. I also went to Friday night youth Um, group uh, and my auntie and my uncle are are both pastors. Um, My dad actually went to Bible college as a young adult and my mum was raised in a very Catholic household. So my entirety of of my life, I was brought up around this Christian faith mindset and religion. Um, And then I went to an uh, 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 Anglican high school. Uh, My primary school was also quite Christian. 
um, more on the Pentecostal side. So I was pretty much surrounded by it 24 seven and that's sort of all I really knew. Um, and yeah, that's sort of what I kind of went into my university days with and coming out as gay, it was a little bit of a, a, a shock to the system really. Um, I didn't know how to really take it. So as you mentioned just then, you were surrounded by religion, um, you know, from sort of day one. Um, what's your relationship um, to faith like today? Uh, it's definitely changed and I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, so when I did enter uh, my uni days and I turned 18, um, I knew for me that in the event of me coming out and my family didn't appreciate it, I could get out. Uh, so that mindset was a bit of a, a flight response to me. Um, but I think while doing more research on it and trying to understand how my position is within this, in this network, um, I've come to understand that faith and religion are two very separate things. And I don't think that's a bad thing to perceive. I think it's actually a positive and healthy one. Uh, but that's what I've based my own ethics and morals on now is more of a faith-based institution rather than a religion-based institution. So what is the difference between uh, faith and religion, Asha, in your, in your sort of own words? Um, I think faith is very much an individual's journey. Um, and I think religion is a man-made construct. I also with my own experiences see religion to be something that is something to progress the male patriarchy um, in very extremist sense. Um, but at the same time, it's also a congregational place. But I do think that, you know, you get faith with religion, um, but your religion also can influence how you view other people and cast judgment. And I don't like that. Um, I want to have a personal interconnected relationship with my deity, which is in a Christian sense, God. Um, and I think religion can skew our mindset on that um, a bit too much. So, Asha, I think that people often think that um, faith and religion equals each other and are the same as each other. And then people often associate religion with things such as um, rituals and practices. So like going to church, going to congregation, um, reading scripture, etc you know and the communal practices etc um but i'd like to understand because what i'm i think i'm hearing from you is that your faith is not necessarily always contributed to one religion it's kind of more about your way that you live your life your morals your values and your ethics so it would be really interesting to hear um how does your faith how do you practice your faith? How does your faith show up? Like, what does it look like? Like, are there things that you do do or you don't do? It would be interesting to hear about that. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think what I find most irritating about religion as such um, is that if you go to church, you've done the right thing and that's all you need to do. Um, and I think with faith, you have faith throughout your entire being, you know, you don't, you don't go to church, you have faith and you leave church and you leave it at the front door. Um, I think the way I do it is I take the biblical teaching and I apply the main principles of love and respect and equality and diversity and loving one another as I would wish to be loved myself um, and selfless and servitude in my everyday life. I think that for me, I've become more of a selfless individual because of rekindling my faith in that regard. I don't associate it anymore to a 
physical structure in a place anymore. Um, but I also surround myself with people now who have similar views. And by doing so outside of a congregational sense in a building on a Sunday, I've been able to implement that more into my own personal life. But I also think it comes down to how do you, how do you act on the day-to-day -day basis? Um, my ethics and principles, yes, that is what contributes to me practicing my faith because I've learned those from a biblical sense. I'm just now putting those into practice more often and consciously um, because I think a lot of people do it um, consciously at church and they sort of shove it in their unconscious a little bit afterwards and they go about their daily lives. Um, and I think it's definitely come down to uh, my own experience of being uh, more or less judged um, from the specific communities, both communities actually, um, which I've thought, well, hang on, that's not how it should be done. We're, that's not what we're told. So I'm going to make sure I try my very best to do the opposite and to invoke positivity. Very interesting. Um, and I think just on that, uh, you made a good point around, um, you know, our own community judging um, judging you. Um, and I think we spoke about this just before um, we started the podcast, Asha. And there's two, two I think, two things that really um, divide our community, and that's religion and politics. And then they sort of, when they all come together, it's just sort of like a like a hot mess. Like it just doesn't sort of seem to ever, ever work out. Um, let's just move along from that though. Um, and can I talk to you a little bit about your coming out story? So um, you mentioned you grew up in a very religious um, household. Um, what was coming out like in your in your household? How did how did uh, your family react? How, did they embrace you? So, I'm not one to have a sob story. Um, I didn't have the harsh coming out like a lot of people unfortunately do have. My family, particularly my mother, actually was incredibly open, um, and I attribute that to the fact that she did her hairdressing apprenticeship on Oxford Street back in the eighties. Uh, so she is well versed in the gay community and she loves it all. Um, I do think though, that after going into more of a, uh, not, not monogamous, but like a very committed relationship that is all about going to church and all that sort of thing. And now she's exploring other options to how to express her faith. I think that allowed her to take it on easier. She did cry. I will say that my mother did cry. But she did so because she was afraid on how the world would perceive me now and how others would judge me. And I think that was a real testament to what I've said earlier of we can't focus around judgment and we need to be more accepting and, and respectful to one another. So in that sense, my mother was upset, um, but also happy because I did say to her, I was living a lie. I was trying to be a straight individual and it hurt. And my mother said, I refuse to believe that you were put on this earth to be a burden. Um, and why should you be treated in any, dis any other situation like your friends differently based on the fact that you're gay? So my mother was super open with it. My father, on the other hand, I did not want to tell uh, purely because I viewed him as this uh, very strong heterosexual man um, Anglican upbringing and I was afraid. Um, so I didn't tell my dad, um, my mother actually told my dad and it was a little bit more on the silent treatment side to begin with. 
Um, however, with all of that, um, there was a lot of opportunity to have open dialogue. We were able to process our feelings and able to uh, explore this new relationship that we had. Now my dad is super open and he is all on board with like pansexuality and asexuality and transgender and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, yes, dad, yes, yes, you're so good. And he's really progressed in that sphere. Um, but the one thing I did question a little bit on was the fact that my auntie um, is a pastor and has a master's of divinity and is has a massive faith. And my auntie came up to me and said, I don't believe just because you're gay, you are sinful or or have this shame put on you. And it was actually really comforting knowing someone who is of such a high religious background um, has such an openness about everything and accepts me for who I am and loves me and loves my partner and, and is able to share a lot of dialogue in that respect. And I think based on all of that, the rest of my family followed suit. Um, so yeah, for me, uh, I have a, a good experience. I haven't told my grandparents though, um, one, because they're all delusional, but I think having that close group of very close relatives knowing and every, and accepting me, that's enough for me. Yes, well, and Nick and I always tell, talk about um, coming out being a forever journey and sometimes there might be people in your life that you don't come out to because it's just not really the right thing to do or it doesn't make sense for you and your journey. Um, now, when we were chatting earlier and you mentioned that you have a partner, um, we come to understand that your partner is a bit more opposite to you, I guess, in terms of um, his relationship with faith. Um, so it would be interesting to hear a little bit about how you in your relationship have kind of navigated that dynamic um, with yourself being quite faithful and your partner not necessarily being as faithful as you. How, how have you navigated that? Yeah, so my boyfriend wasn't brought up in a, a very Christian household. Um, he is Sicilian, so he has a Catholic upbringing, but that's just sort of like a label that a lot of uh, Italians put on themselves. Um, so for him, he doesn't have a connection with faith like I do, nor has he been educated in it. So that's where I think it stems from. For me personally, um, I have had this discussion with his friends um, and a lot of them have this idea of spirituality, not necessarily related to a specific deity, but they do have an understanding that there is a higher being out there um, that is not too sure which one it is. And that's completely fine. I feel that spirituality is and faith is something that you don't just go, I know all of it, therefore, I'm a know-it-all on it. Um, it's like you said, coming out, it's a forever journey. Spirituality and learning and development is a forever journey as well. Um, so for him, he respects my faith um, and my belief, but yes, he is agnostic, but he's not unwilling to explore it through me. And that's all I can ask for um, because a lot of the time uh, we perceive talking about religion as conversion. And I don't believe in that. I think you need to come to terms with your own faith and your own spirituality in your own time, because like you said, it's a forever journey. So why do we need to put a time frame on it? Um, so for me, it's not an issue of contention between us. It's actually quite an open one. 
That's really interesting how you framed that, Asha, because I think a lot of times people think that faith is binary. It's like you are or you aren't for the rest of your life. But why can't we look at it like often how we look at it as sexuality? Like you might dip in and you might dip out and there might be times in your life that you really need to to discover faith and discover spirituality and lean into it and that's okay and actually I'm kind of you're kind of making me think and reflect myself as well that I think I've kind of thought about faith and religion and spirituality as quite this binary thing like you are or you aren't um but why can't it be fluid and that's what I love to tell people and especially when people ask me how I got there um and yes I think it was based on the fact that I was brought up in such a Christian household, but then I did my own research and I did have the hard conversations. And that's what I think we're forgetting. We need to have these hard conversations, hence the name of the podcast. Let's get behind the questions. Why aren't we asking them? We need this open dialogue. And I think for us, we've now seen sexuality as a fluid thing. I think uh, Christianity um, also has its own categories, which people don't understand. People don't realize there's denominations, but then within those denominations, there's more categories. So you have like an Arminianist perspective, which is compassion and choice. And the choice um, to, be, to be able to love is to be able to choose. But then a Calvinist perspective is very much the predetermined understanding of that you're, you are or you aren't going to help. Um, but the, work, the two work in conjunction with each other to form um, a fluidity. And I think that's where people need to be more educated in is that why does it need to be binary? We've put this upon ourselves. Let's break them up. Well said, well said. Um, so um, I, I want to ask you um, to give our listeners some advice. Um, so if, if someone is struggling with reconciling their religious identity and their sexuality, what advice would you give to them? I would say do your research, but I would also say ask the hard-hitting questions. Surround yourself with people who are going to um, break down specific areas of it and then reinforce it in other areas. There is not going to be a right and wrong in the development stage. You need to make mistakes. You need to um, be confused. Otherwise, you're not going to get to your, your end goal. Um, but definitely do your research um, because don't go off blind faith. Um, go off your faith um, because when you have too much blind faith, that's where we get caught in this loop. Um, and we need to break this loop of negativity. I like that. Do your research, people. Education is key. Education is power. Now, Asha, we always like to round out. We're very consistent. We start with the same question. We end with the same question. That's what. What's all we can promise on this podcast is consistency <laughs> at the, the beginning and consistency at the end. Um, so in the spirit of that, we also we always like to round out with this question. So what is your top piece of advice for our listeners out there? What would yours be? Mine would be treat those on how you'd like to be treated yourself. So if we're going to enforce positivity, um, live a positive lifestyle um, because you would want to be treated the same way. I think you always need to look to develop yourself further. There is never an, an ending to this. We're always on a journey and it's gonna be a consistent one with no end because we need to have that. It needs to be, our only consistent in that is to keep developing. But treat those how you would wanna be treated yourself because I feel like that really comes down to the your own ethics and your own morals. 
And we all want to be treated with love, respect and dignity um, and the ability to speak out and talk. So if someone's going to talk to you about something, be an active listener, listen to those uh, things and then process them and then uh, talk back. Um, don't talk over each other, you know. So I think definitely do unto those as you do to yourself. Well, I think we might we might wrap it up there because uh, I think we've had quite a conversation on this and we could probably talk about it for a lot longer, as I said before. Um, but thank you for coming onto the podcast, Asher. It's been a pleasure. No, thank you all so much for this opportunity. It's a great platform to speak about it. Thanks, Asher. Wow, that was so interesting. I'm sure, and I, do, I know actually, I could talk about that topic for a lot longer than just, you know, the amount of time we spoke to Asher today. That's a, a full day's worth of conversation for me. You are a little bit of a habit chat. You can talk about anything for a very long time. You can. But mm. Asher is a very educated young man, and that was a great conversation. So next week, are we continuing with our um, intersectionality and miniseries or...? We sure are. We are okay. actually having an external guest join us next week to shake things up a little bit. Oh, shake things up, hey? I'll okay. make sure I uh, I wear my name badge. I think it's in the washing machine, um, but I'll try and find it. Um, so next week, who is joining us and what will we be doing a little chat about? Yes, so next week we will have Tina Dixon on from the Forcibly Displaced Peoples Network, which is actually the first Australian organisation to work exclusively on the issues of LGBTQ plus force displacement. Um, Tina herself came to Australia as an LGBTQ plus refugee, actually. Wow. Well, that's going to be another amazing episode, so make sure you tune in. Um, it's going to be an episode not to be missed, I think. It's going to be great. So um, until then, stay safe, shine bright and be proud. Goodbye, party people. We'll catch you next week.